Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Today, we're talking about an important upcoming documentary and social impact campaign covering a topic that you probably wouldn't expect to be covered, motherhood. Mothers experience discrimination in the U.S., from deep-rooted assumptions about social roles, for breastfeeding in public, and for not having a perfect body again after childbirth. Many women, particularly stay-at-home moms, become demoralized, feel alienated, and lose their personhood. Oftentimes, people judge them immediately when they say that they're a full-time mom, assuming that they aren't hardworking, that they aren't intelligent, or that they're not contributing members of society. Yet, they're molding society's greatest asset, the next generation. My guest today is the wonderful Samantha Reif. She is the director and executive producer of the documentary film Reclaim Motherhood. She's going to share with us her mission behind this film and the associated social impact campaign. Samantha is also the founder of SJR Research, and for over 25 years, she's worked as a writer and researcher and provided support for both large and small projects in a wide variety of fields, including history, genealogy, IT, education, writing, editing, film and media, communications, marketing, public health and social services, managed healthcare, and so much more. Samantha is a mom. She's got two kids, Joshua and Cassandra, and lives in Gettysburg, PA with her husband, Jamie. For more information about the documentary, I encourage you to go to the website and check out the trailer. It's reclaimmotherhood.com. Welcome, Samantha. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Great to have you. You too. What's it doing in PA? It's warm. (laughs) Really? Believe it or not. Yes. We went from 20 last week to almost 50 to 60 right now. Oh, God. And they say there's not global warming. Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's happening with our Earth. I, so I'm so glad that you took time to do this because I'm thrilled with the project that you're doing. It is really interesting. A lot of people don't know that mothers are discriminated against. And so I want to dive in by finding out how and why you decided to start this venture. Oh, it's a long story, but <laughs> uh, but basically, it all started. Um, I had my first son. I was twenty eight when I had my first child. So I, you know, I had gone through school and I had uh, I went through the corporate world for a while, and, and I was uh, laid off actually just a month before he was born. And when I was laid off, the first kind of bell that rang in my head is when. I had my ex interview. They basically told me that they felt that it was wise because they didn't think that I'd probably be coming back. I was in a, Whoa. yes, I was in a, and it was the female boss who was telling me this. Interesting. Um, I, I worked for a, a co-owner company who had a male and a female um, owner mm-hmm. and the female owner called in. She said that she, she probably felt that I wouldn't be coming back. It was a very high travel job. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I worked, um, as a, a consultant for um, children and youth agencies to help um, reporting to the, the to the state and the federal government, so we did a lot of traveling to agencies all across, particularly Pennsylvania. But I also spent several months in Jersey and, and in other places. Mm-hmm. 
So they felt because of the travel and the demands that I probably wouldn't be coming back. So um, as such, I was laid off and then I had my son and unfortunately (laughs) my husband had some major health problems as well. So it kind of just snowballed to the fact where it came down to the point where once my husband was was back again, we we came to the decision, well, are you going to go back to work or not? And once I actually took a look about what the jobs demanded and what was probably going to be expected to me that it wasn't going to be feasible. And also when I looked at what childcare was going to cost, (laughs) um, that it wasn't feasible. So I pretty Mm -hmm. much decided um, my husband went back to work and I stayed at home for about six years um, with my son. And then I had my daughter five years after my son was born. And so in that time, I kind of went through a, a whole gamut of experiences, emotions that kind of led to me deciding to do this. Um, part of it was I went to functions with my husband with colleagues of his and, and people that I knew and that I was kind of on equal par uh, professionally and, and intellectually. And because I was out of, because I was a stay-at-home mom at time, that they weren't treating me on the same level anymore. And, it, you know, you have that when you're in conversation, you have the, they always ask the the telltale question, you know, what do you do? And I'd say, and then I found myself apologizing <laughs> for being for, I said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just a stay at home mom. And I thought to myself, you know, well, that's the first problem. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm apologizing for this. And, and then after you say that, then there's like a pause in the conversation and it's, it's like, they didn't know what to say about that. <laughs> the conversation would drift off and they would just wander off and so <laughs> yeah you come to the conclusion that you're not even worth somebody's time wow and that happened you know the first time i was willing to shush it up but it happened three times two women and a man that evening wow so you know it's like people don't even um put try to put themselves in a position where they're curious about it like if you met someone from line of work that you don't know anything about you'd say oh well I've, I don't know anything about that. Tell me more about that. And so if any of these people weren't aware of what it was like to be a full-time mom, then they should have asked you instead of wandering off and feeling awkward about it. Well, keep in mind, a lot of in this, in this um, group were, were younger people as well. Uh-huh. So um, I, I found just working on this and just my personal experience, there's a very huge disconnect between the, those who have children and those who don't have children. Mm-hmm. Oh, Absolutely. And almost to the point where they're very antagonistic. Um, there's several um, groups out there. Um, they're called the child-free groups, I think. And they actually, because they feel uh, as well that they're being stigmatized as well because of their decision to not have children. Mm. And they have groups, kind of support groups, where they get together and they do, um, you know, they go out bowling or they go. And basically into their, their common desire to be childless. So you have all these things going on, but there is, there's a very huge disconnect between the groups. And I'd like to hopefully through this documentary, one of my main goals is to try to bridge that gap yeah. between the child, those who have children and those who don't and and try to work together. Absolutely. Now, do you think goal. for sure, do you think that this is more of a United States type problem or do you think this is worldwide? Um, in terms of stigma, I think it's a worldwide problem because you're finding countries like Sweden and Norway, the Nordic countries that have these great maternity paternity leave programs and 
a national subsidized childcare and uh, great schools, the best schools in the world. And yet the, uh, the birth rate is still tanking in these countries. And I think a lot of it is, is the mentality that among particularly uh, young people is that once you have children, your life kind of just stops. So there's really not a lot of incentive mentally for young women to even have children. Yeah, more socially, yeah. Socially. For sure. You know, you have almost a 50% or more divorce rate. And unfortunately, the particularly in the United States, that the legal system leans more towards he or she who earns more. So if you're a stay-at-home mom and you get a divorce, it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Because usually the courts, they just look at what you earn and what you contributed during that marriage. So if you didn't contribute much, you stand a chance of losing a lot. Ann Crittenden, who I interviewed, was one of the first people I interviewed, and she was kind of like the, the um, one of the first people I actually discussed this in the 80s about the risks to women, uh, both economically, socially, politically, once they have children, and that having children is one of the leading causes of poverty for women in this country. Wow. So because of the, the risks that they take, because oftentimes they have to follow the job market, once they have children, depending on, you know, what their what careers that they decided to do. So as such, you know, and this is, like you said, a, a worldwide problem because women feel that they have to um, establish themselves before they consider having children. So, but establishing themselves could lead to late 20s, 30s, sometimes 40s by the time they feel that they're safe enough to be able to have a child. You have a lot of companies that are um, doing subsidizing egg freezing. I think Google is one of them, mm. maybe even Facebook, to try to, to accommodate this. But but basically it all boils down to that whole mentality that once you have a child, just everything just stops. Right. Well, I mean, there is, I mean, there are people joke about it. New parents joke about it, how they don't get any sleep, like all their money is gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, But that's normal. But yeah. what isn't normal is is that people look at you as almost you're a completely different person. Mm. Yeah, like you're not worthy anymore because, oh, now you're in that in club. In some regards, you almost become a non-person. Wow. To the extreme. Mm-hmm. Because the, the current cultural attitudes towards raising children, particularly for women, is that it's it's you have to give everything. Mm-hmm. And this is where I sort of had a problem with them. I kind of, I grew up very traditionally in my house and to the point where my mother was one of those, where she just gave everything up for us. Everything. Yeah. And part of it was, and what became a a huge (laughs) blow to me is when my parents divorced. They were married for well over 30 years. And then she was a stay-at-home mom. Occasionally she had, you know, a part-time job here and there. She drove school bus. You know, she would clean hotels, you know, whatever, whenever we needed money. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they just basically said that what she had done was worth nothing. Wow. And oftentimes these women, you know, they can't afford proper um, legal support. So as such, you know, they're dependent on maybe a, you know, a public defender who will just, you know, give you the bare minimum. And a lot of times the husband will walk away scot-free. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just do like a quick role reversal for a couple of years and have men be the one who have the babies? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think a lot. Very different. You find in a lot of companies that um, if they do start establishing um, maternity paternity leave, 
And it's not necessarily when they have children, it's when their daughters have children. Mm. And then you see them starting to think about it. Um, <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's a bizarre phenomenon. You know, some companies, you know, they're doing it because maybe it's just trendy, you know? Yeah. Um, Which is good. Let's continue that trend, right? Yeah. I kind of think, you know, if they're truly serious about it, I think it should be more than just throwing a couple weeks at somebody and saying, here, you know, yeah. we might pay you 50, 60% of what you earn. You know, by law, they have to guarantee that a person can have their job back after, I forgot how long it is, the federal leave, um, through the Federal Medical Leave Act, and they have to bring it back at the same position. But a lot of times people say that they find out is when they get back, yes, they have their position, but they oftentimes make it extremely hard for them to keep that position. Mm. Well, yeah, because they'll bring in somebody to replace you while you're gone. And then, you know, that person is now vying for your role, you know, so I would imagine it's hard to come back in. It's probably awkward. You've missed, you've missed some things that were going on. And, and, and move up as well. It's, it's, yeah. it, they make it very, particularly within the, the very high level corporate fields, you get into finance, some um, law, um, I, I live in the D.C. area, and I've talked to a lot of women who were lawyers. <laughs> Keyword, were lawyers. Mm, <laughs> right. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's, well, it's a boys' network. It is. It is. And, and that's another huge thing I, I, mean, I really want to address in this documentary is, is gender roles. And that in order to – well, let's just take a scenario. When I went to the dentist with my children, my husband went with me. And when my son came out and they had to tell me what was wrong with his mouth or whatever, you know, they look at me, <laughs> not my husband. They look at me. Mm -hmm. um, so even when my husband, he just went to a, um, a function with my daughter yesterday at her school. And he, he said, even, you know, some of the teachers, you know, they kind of look at the dad's little crosswise when they come instead of the mom's. <laughs> And you have, and there's still a huge, you know, stay-at-home dads. They're hugely stigmatized. Oh, yeah. Because they seem to, they're perceived as emasculated, mm. that they're doing what something that women should do. And even some women don't like it. Yeah. Well, it's that social role, the, the social constructs yes. that, you know, for generations society has put in place. And I mean, that's like a 1950s mentality. We have a very fossilized attitude in this in this country regarding gender roles um regarding commitments to work and, and what we need what we need to contribute we're still based upon a basically a male wage earner mentality yeah that gender role piece is huge you know the other piece that and i remember um talking with you about this and it really jumped out is and i guess this is more so in the u.s too because um, in europe they're a little more open mm -hmm. um but that body image piece where you know mm -hmm. celebrities who have babies then they're like plastered all over the you know the tabloids about how fat they got after they had kids and look at how they've let themselves go and like this kind of thing so i think there's a lot of pressure on women too to stay hot and you know your body changes when you have a child so it changes a lot <laughs> yeah and it's 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 a huge problem amongst mothers. You have you have these. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them on on the internet. You have a lot of plastic surgeons. They have they call them mommy makeovers, and it's basically is it's you know belly tucks and yeah. 
and micro sculpting, yeah, blasting to go back to the way they were before they had children. And you know, I mean, if you breastfeed a baby, it changes the shape of your, you know, your breasts and and you know, who you you know and, and, and your whole body, you know, because I mean. Uh, with I know with myself my my whole hip structure changed you know? right <laughs> there was right. no going back to to the way I was before. yeah my mom was like 90 pounds when she got married to my dad and she was this tiny little thing and she had four kids and now you know we we all joke she is high self-esteem but she we always used to joke about how her how wide her hips got and now she's got this like shape she's got a big butt she kind of likes it because <laughs> she was always so skinny um, but yes it changed dramatically for my mom and I saw it change dramatically for my sister as well so it's it's part of the process but people don't understand that especially men yeah it's 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 hard I mean once you you know whether you have a c-section or you have a baby normally or um, I mean you have stretch marks you have you know, I had C-section, so you have C-section scars that you have to mm -hmm. live with the rest of your life. You know, I mean, you're, you're, there is no going back. And I uh, attended a um, mock photo shoot. There's a lovely group of ladies who are actually um, part of our project. They're called the Fourth Trimester Project. And their main goal is to just show the beauty of, of a mother's body. And they do... Um, video uh, diaries and, and photo shoots with, with women who either had children or, or just had children or, you know, their children are a little older. And just to show that, you know, their bodies are, are just as beautiful as, you know, somebody who's 90 years, you know, 90 pounds and, and stick thin and, you right. know. And also they experienced a miracle. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's like I a mean, physical feat. To, to I put mean, that size right, through there. <laughs> on, and you, you know, when you're pregnant, you know, emotionally and physically. And yeah. I mean, you be, you know, they're, they're feeding off of you, you know, and, and vice versa. But, and then going through the whole labor process. But unfortunately in this country also that we need to address is the high mortality rate with women who have children. Our healthcare system is not helping pregnant women in this. It's, it's mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. It's bad. the The maternal mortality rate in this country is is one of the worst in the world. You know, there's this other thing that I that I was thinking about, um, and back to the stigma associated um, with some aspects of motherhood. And um, you told me about this this video you saw. Um, this is outside of your documentary, but I, I think you might be covering this in your film as well. Um, of one woman who is uh, childless, but you know, was dressed very scantily with her boobs kind of hanging out, sitting on a park bench, and then a woman publicly breastfeeding next to her. Tell us about that. I think this group did an experiment and a video experiment and they, they plunked this, this very young, attractive female. And she was kind of wearing a tight top and, and, you know, she was dressed kind of very scantily and she was just sitting on a park bench, you know, and people would just walk by occasionally, you know, a guy would kind of give her a second look, you know, some, I think one guy even tried to hit on her, but, uh, uh, but then they, they plunked uh, um, a woman next to her and she was openly breastfeeding. And people would stop by and insult her, tell her to she needed to cover herself up to go away. And wow, and, there's yeah. a boob for you. You want a boob? Yeah, there's a boob. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And there's this yeah, there's this huge. Uh, to this day, I don't understand it. 
um, why people have so, I've even had, you know, I have to watch sometimes even on Facebook when I post articles about public breastfeeding, you know, that might show a, a little bit, you know, in, in the, in the, um, the picture in the article. Um, people saying, you know, they, they don't want to see it. They don't want to hear about it. The, What's the, uh, the, the pushback against it? What is so gross about it? That to I me, really I mean, it's a natural um, I think, thing. I think in terms of culturally, I think is because we have this huge over-sexualization of women and particularly in, in women's breasts. And mm -hmm. when you start putting that with children together, people get really nervous. Oh, mm. and interesting. This the the group. But that that's what they the breasts before. are for. Yeah, but, but people <laughs> in this country, breasts are for sex. Right, right. And, and and not for, and they and if they're not for that, then particularly with children, they shouldn't be shown. Yeah. So this is interesting, like thinking about, you know, what we see in the media, um, culturally, how we are conditioned and such. So with your documentary covering all these different aspects of motherhood, who are you really trying to reach? Is it the young generation to kind of shift that cultural perspective? Oh, absolutely. I think because for a lot of us that are moms, you know, I mean, if, if you know, if we want to push for things like paid family leave and, and, and greater acceptance culturally. Um, uh, I know like for myself, you know, my children are raised to the point where I don't need to really worry about paid family. But if you're considering having a child, then of course it's going to be first in your mind. And I think even more so than, than the mothers I, I really need, I want to speak to is, is women who are at the cusp of thinking about having children because what society is feeding them isn't necessarily the truth um, about what they think they need socially that they, that they're expected to do and what's reality, what they can do. We're oftentimes they're, they're fed aligned, you know, the, 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 the lean in, the do it all type attitude. And it's just not possible because the reality is, is that the system is very much a patriarchal system in this country and particularly if you're in the higher up corporate jobs or the, the decks are very much stacked against women in this country. And to the point where unless, unless the system changes, you're not going to win. Yeah. So this documentary is a way to kind of help get that awareness to help people stand up and to feel women empowered. Women need to know what's what's really out there because there's very much um, an ignorance, not well, ignorance is maybe a strong word, um, antipathy against. Uh, I have a lot of people, I say there's a stigma against motherhood and they're like, there is. <laughs> right. And, and, and they're not aware of it because right. you kind of turn a blind eye to it. And we very much turn a blind eye to it in this country. Um, mm -hmm. And until we can remove that veil, women are, it's just going to be an endless cycle from generation to generation. Yeah, totally. Because once you get to that point, particularly when you have children, you don't have the time. I was talking to my hairdresser one day and, and we were talking all about these issues and she said, just stop. She said, I love what you're doing and I do, but to tell you that she was a single mom and she said, I don't have time to think about all this stuff. My worry is getting food on my kids' plates every night. <laughs> and so basically the power is in the young women. Yeah. Um, 
because unless until they can actually be shown the reality of what's out there, then they need to take the control in their own hands. Right. The scary part is that once you do become aware of the reality, that's a deterrent to becoming a mom, which is why I would assume a lot of young women are choosing to be childless. Exactly. Because once again, is is the system is against them. Mm-hmm. I, that's another Let's all move to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> well, even there, you know, they have their problems there. You know, there is still discrimination over there. You know, it's, it's, until we get to the point where we, where we can acknowledge socially and culturally that caregiving has value, mm. both economically, socially, that putting time into the next generation has value. None of this is going to stop. That's huge. Tell us about who you've chosen to interview in the documentary and feature in the documentary to help get this message across. Oh, lots of there's there's been for the this movement and 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 essentially scholarship in, in motherhood has started pretty much around the time that the feminist movement started. So in the late seventies, early eighties. So I've interviewed um, a lot of the the lead scholars, like I said, I mentioned Dan Crittenden, who's the preeminent, uh, Sharon Lerner, she's a journalist in New York City, and she published a, a great book called The War on Moms. Um, the War on Moms. Yes, wow. The War on Moms, and a uh, wonderful academic. She's She works on uh, work-life balance, uh, Dr. Hochschild, and it's just, you know, a these women have been, you know, working on this for the last 30 years. I also am great friends with, um, she's one of the uh, leading uh, ladies down in D.C. Her name is Valerie Ann, and she's, oh, she's, oh, she's phenomenal. <laughs> we, we, we get along very well, and she's, she's been working on this for years as well. She was also, you know, uh, or is, she may still be a, uh, a lawyer down in DC and she, she got into public policy and she's, she's been one of the people who been in the trenches working for, you know, paid leave for years. And she's also works with a wonderful uh, organization where they kind of heralding the caring economy movement, phenomenal women. I, you know, and then I also interviewed um, another lady who actually took her pregnancy discrimination court all the way to the Supreme court. Whoa. Yes. And she sued um, UPS because uh, they uh, let her go because they they couldn't they wouldn't accommodate her when she was pregnant. Wow, yeah, it's rare. That's another big piece of this too. Is I think a lot of people don't realize at work how other employees who do not have children get weirded out <clears throat> if there's yeah, a new mom trying to breastfeed. Yeah, yeah, it's you know I mean a lot of companies and and that's another huge thing I love at the end of this documentary, you know, to have educational element for, 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 you know, HR places to show, you know, that you can have moms and still be profitable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, just, you know, by building a, a, a room where some, a lady could breastfeed and you know, with a little fridge in it, it's not going to break you. you right. 
Well, you know, I worked for a company. It was a, a recruiting agency for talent. And one of the gals had a, a baby and they were very cool about it. They, She would bring her breast pump to work and she would kind of announce it was a small office. So she'd be like, okay, everybody, I'm going in the back room and I'm going to close the door and I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> and we were all like, okay. And it was cool. And there was no stigma. I mean, People probably there was one guy in the office and he probably felt a little weird about it, but nobody said anything and everybody was fine with it. And she had a huge contribution to the office profit. And so, you know, there was no problem. But not every company is that cool, you know. So I want to dive exactly. So I want to dive more into the social impact campaign because you're shooting the documentary, but then there's also this huge social campaign that's going to be attached to it. And you just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg by saying, Hey, I want to educate HR departments at companies. Where else are you going to take this information? Um, absolutely. The educational element at the end is, is going to be huge, I hope. Um, it's everything from as early as middle school to high schools when kids are starting to take um, family consumer science classes. And because a lot of times they talk about nowadays that um, a lot of these, these programs in schools are talking about gender roles and raising children. Um, so if you could just, you know, start them at the get-go and, and showing them, you know, that is one of the huge things we're going to be talking about is basically carrying work distribution throughout the household. And that right now it, it leans too heavily towards women, too heavily, too, it's just too much. And that men need to, to step up a lot more. And luckily a lot more millennial men are. So I see the trend coming, but it needs mm-hmm. to be but you still have a lot of areas of this country that are very conservative and still, you know, rigidly follow the stereotypical roles of who, yeah. who does what in the right. house. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my dad never, ever changed my diaper. <laughs> like not even once. I don't think so. No, that's pretty much how I was raised too. I think my yeah. dad may have occasionally did it, but on the whole, it was my mom <laughs> did everything. They don't see the poop or the puke or like any of it. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and I think, you know, the only way it's, this is going to resolve itself is, is, is by men and women working together. Yeah. Equally. I love that you're taking this to, um, to universities and I'm getting it at that, that level too, where there are people who are still young. Um, but you know, at that age where they're going to start thinking about whether or not they, that's something they'll consider. So I think that's important too. Now you're 40% into the production and you are currently seeking um, investors and brand sponsors to help you complete production. Tell us more about your production schedule and your distribution plan. Um, as for production schedule, as, as you said, I'm about 40% the film done so far. Um, right now, between now and early summer we're hoping to basically travel the country and get mom stories we've we've basically filmed all the all the experts and all the uh that element so now we're looking is to to talk to as many moms and dads across the country um to tell their stories uh so we can get just the 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 broadest and and most comprehensive story of of how it is to raise children in this country and and have people express what they need and what they want um that that'll help them to to raise you know the the best you know for lack of better words citizens (laughs) that they can you know for this country for the for the next generation um 
And and it's so impactful to think about that too. Like I can already see it in my head. There's going to be a lot of pulling of heartstrings to see these people in their struggle um, to be understood. It is. There's there's a lot of, you know, I mean, whether you know it be at a personal level or just you know at a family level, it's hard. It's extremely hard for a lot of families, and particularly those who are more in the you know the lower classes in society. I don't yeah. know how they do it. I honestly don't. Um, you know, the moms that are, you know, working at Walmart or, you know, Burger King, I don't know how they do it, honestly, you know, with how childcare costs and, and the demands, you know, it's, I, 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 my hat's off to them, honestly, (laughs) I don't know how they do it. And for those, you know, that have to, to, to really in those trenches, you know, they, they deserve all the credit in the world. Mm -hmm. They honestly my mom was a single mom of four kids and um, she worked two jobs and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, her friends coming over to babysit, which one of them I didn't like so much because she used to, <laughs> you know, put me up against the table so tight to Ooh. eat dinner. I was like, um, back off, lady. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I know my mom struggled very much to do everything that she did. So my hat's off to those women as well. I want to talk about the film festival plan because you're going to be taking this to the festivals and then eventually get it out to everyone um, to really help spread this message. What's your vision? Uh, yes. Um, once, once we have, you know, the film edited and complete, uh, we definitely, we would like to, uh, you know, try to get into as many of the big festivals like Sundance and, you know, Tribeca and, um, uh, I love, I'm a huge fan of the Toronto Film Festival. <laughs> I go there every year. Mm-hmm. So it would be just, you know, great if I could, you know, get over there um, uh, once it's once it's out. And then, you know, and in the end, you know, try to get a, 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 uh, a nice distribution deal out of it, you know, with the major distributor. And then eventually, you know, the, the usual course, you know, then VOD and then, um, and then basically, you know, the, the education element, you know, we could, uh, to uh, distribute to universities and schools yeah. and do speaking engagements. So just to, you know, just to spread this as much as humanly possible. I love it. I could totally see this on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a huge documentary <laughs> section. And like yeah. so many people I know love documentaries. They love to watch them. Yeah. They're very educational and, and they often open your eyes to um, pieces of society that you're like, what? Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, that this is one of them for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I want people out there listening to know that I am part of Samantha's sponsorship team, which is one of the reasons why I'm I'm personally interested in helping this film get made and completed and for this social campaign to happen. It's an incredible vision and could be incredibly impactful. And so we're seeking brand sponsors um, or corporate investors, partners um, to help this come about. And so we have several companies on board already. And so anyone out there listening, if you're part of a corporation or a brand who you think would be really interested in this as a charitable cause, um, please reach out. Info at reclaimmotherhood.com is Samantha's email address. Mention that you learned about this project on Nothing Off Limits. Samantha, any final thoughts for people out there listening? (laughs) Um, I just cannot stress you know, how important that I think this is. Uh, you know, as I, there's a lovely quote I have on my uh, website and, and I was speaking to a, a 
a wonderful professor um, in Chicago at DePaul University. She was a, a new citizen actually to this country. And um, so she had kind of an international perspective. Um, and she said, you know, she, uh, she's a sociologist and she said that she tells her students that the true measure of, of a country is how they take care of its children. And in the end, even though, you know, we're talking about moms and dads, if we can't take care of the people that are taking care of the children, the children are going to suffer. And that's, I think, what unites us all is that the children, as cliche as it sounds, are our future yeah. of this country. And that yeah. if we can't take care of them, then we're failing. We're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's a huge point to make, you know, people out there is that this isn't just about the moms. This is about the moms, the dads, and then who they're caring for. This is about the future. Mm -hmm. It is. And keep in mind that these children are going to be taking care of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so exactly. If you take care of them. They're going to say, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love that about the life cycle is like we come in as a baby and then we leave acting like a baby and like we can't take care of ourselves anymore. And even if you don't have children, you know, I mean, down the road, you may be taking care of a parent. That's what I mean. Like an elderly parent, they, they're like a baby because they can't do anything for themselves. Yes. And, and at some point in your life, you're going to have to care for somebody. Mm -hmm. And this is just, this is about caregiving in general in that we need to understand that in this very me-centric <laughs> I was just going to say that type of culture we have in this country that me 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 self-involved selfie yes that's we need to start thinking about <laughs> just you know how important you know caring is and that it is viable <laughs> You know, yeah. it's important. It's, yeah. it's important. And Absolutely. And it needs to be recognized as so. And so all the people out there who um, may be of a younger generation, maybe you're still being taken care of by your parents, um, listen to that, you know, and realize that you are being cared for in a huge way. And look at the contribution that your parents have made for you to get on your feet and to start your life journey. So it's going to be your turn at some point. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Did I hit you eventually? <laughs> I know they're all like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> uh, Samantha, it's such a pleasure to know you and to hear your passion for what you're doing. You're, it's such an important project, and um, it, it's a big one. So I applaud you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Everybody out there listening, please, once again, go to reclaimmotherhood.com. Watch that trailer. It's going to open your eyes. And um, check out, there's also a donation page, anything you can give, even as an individual. Um, obviously, we'd love to work with some uh, company sponsors, but if you're an individual and you want to donate even $10 uh, towards this project, please do so. I encourage you. Samantha, thank you again for taking time. Thank you. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.